Hi, this is Deanna. And this is Michelle. And this is Historable. So, Michelle. So, Deanna. How's it going? It is fabulous, I think. Okay. Um, I saw something online recently that said that Chicago has had 42 consecutive days without sunshine. I believe it. It's been very abnormally cloudy and rainy lately. Yes. 100% agree. I mean, April showers maybe bring Mayflowers, but... We had like a tornado warning a few weeks ago. There was like a legit tornado. These in-between seasons, they're pretty crazy. Pretty intense. So that's Chicago for you. We chose this life. We chose this life. I would not want to live in another city, and I can't wait for a summertime shy. Yeah. We're almost there. Almost there. We're so close. So close. Once we get past Memorial Day weekend, I feel like we're good. We're going to be great, yeah few more weeks we're almost there we're so close so close so close but besides that i'm fabulous good 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 what Um, are we talking about today so this is kind of a little bit of a a follow-up to your vlad the impaler episode last week as you were talking about i just really went down this like vampire rabbit hole which makes sense because i mentioned twilight like twenty thousand times in that episode yes so twilight i did and today we are going to talk about the great new england vampire panic of course there was a panic there was a lot of panics back then you really inspired me this week so thank you for sending me on this vampiric journey i love that word i know it's a great <laughs> word um And I'm just really excited to talk about this today. All right. And I think also what I like, thinking back to my previous episode on the Salem witch trials, right? Like, this is 200 years after that, but still in the New England area. Okay. So instead of freaking out about witches, everyone was freaking out about vampires and fearing them. All right. So, yeah. So let's let's just go into it. I need to. I need details. Let's <laughs> let's let's get into this. All right. So we're in the 19th century. This is the 1800s. Thank the late you. 1800s. Thank you for clarifying because yep. I hate using century as a time uh, period. I know. Me too. <laughs> so during this time, the spread of tuberculosis and also it's called consumption. Um, you'll kind of hear those two phrases interchangeable. But That's what consumption is? Mm-hmm. That specific disease uh, claimed the lives of many, many, many families in Rhode Island, Connecticut, Vermont, and a lot of parts of the Northeast uh, during that time frame. Yeah. So it's estimated that the epidemic claimed around 2% of that region's population between 1786 to 1800. Wow. So there's that. And eventually killed approximately 25% of the East Coast citizens. So, like, tuberculosis is kind of a big deal. It was a huge wave. Yeah, huge murderous wave. Wow, that's a lot of people. So, for those that don't know, uh, tuberculosis is a bacterial lung disease. And it can easily spread among families and people you are in close contact with. Mm -hmm. They started calling it consumption, um, I guess, 
due to the way that it causes very dramatic weight loss. It would just literally consume you. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yep. So if you were infected by this disease, um, like I mentioned, you would lose a lot of weight. Uh, People would cough up blood. Their skin would turn ashen. What's kind of crazy and sad about this specific disease, it's often a very slow death. And so from the outside, it appears as if something was sucking the life out of them, Mm -hmm. which makes sense for the whole vampires oh. what was even crazier um, about this disease is it's it's a very like slow manifestation so it doesn't if someone has it in a population it doesn't explode all at once it can actually if you catch it it can go in and out of remission over a period of months or even sometimes years or decades so it's oh it's just a really really crazy one um and It also seems a bit random. So there were people that survived and didn't catch it, like either like they were lucky or they had some sort of natural immunity. Like Like you with COVID. Exactly. (laughs) Knock on wood. We'll see. So for those people out there, now I have to clarify. (laughs) I know. I was like, explain. I I have had COVID two times, one Mm -hmm. in 2020 and one at the end of 2021. And both times (laughs) after I'm assuming that I was exposed to coronavirus, I was directly hanging around Deanna (laughs) and her husband, my brother, for extended periods of time. In close quarters. In close quarters. The last time we were at the same event where literally everyone else got coronavirus except for her and my brother. I don't know how. And like the first time me and my brother had shared like a spoon, like an <laughs> ice cream or something. The next time I dog sat for my puppy nephew and I like gave him kisses and cuddles and got all my face germs all over him. And you guys have yet to get sick, which like more power to you i'm so excited for you guys (laughs) but man i don't know how you've done it (laughs) neither do we we've yeah we've been you know we've been safe but we're also like we've been around people um and so that's kind of interesting it's it's very similar with tuberculosis like very it's a bit random like you could maybe get it i think the difference with that is like tuberculosis was so slow where like typically if we want to talk about covid i mean that's more of like boom, a bunch of people are impacted at once and then it, it kind of dies and out. It, yeah, so it's coming in waves where maybe like tuberculosis isn't because, yeah, you said people can have it like long term. That mm-hmm. sounds terrible. So with this, I mean, people in the New England area like didn't deny that consumption existed, right? They were, it was a reality. They knew that this disease existed. However, all of this was before germ theory. And so I remember... One of our episodes, I can't remember which one, we did talk a little bit about the germ guy, theory. The guy who was like, wash your hands. Oh, mm-hmm. it was um, Typhoid Mary. There we go. Oh, I remember this now. We were talking about poop hands. That, yes, thank you. It's all ringing a bell. And everyone laughed at him. But anyway, yep. yes. So this was a time before germ theory existed. And so doctors were really unable to explain how certain infectious diseases were spread, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's these villagers, they're they're scared no one can give them answers about how their loved ones are getting infected why some aren't yeah there were some theories out there uh so one prevalent one was that anyone who perished from this disease uh preyed upon their living family members so they believed that the people were undead uh they were essentially caught between heaven and hell and they had a spiritual connection with their family members that allowed them to suck the life out of them from beyond the grave. 
Oh, yeah. My my jaw was literally open while you were saying that. Yeah. Um, they're also, you know, that was kind of the main belief. Um, there were also villagers who started to think, like, whoever the first one to die was, like, a vampire. So their theory was at night, uh, these undead would kind of like wiggle out of their graves uh stalk their own families please don't and tell me they're wiggling their way <laughs> they're wiggling they're wiggling out wiggle, 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 wiggle. and they would have their sharp teeth and they would slowly but surely suck the life out of their family members until the family members died and then the vampires would scurry back into the graves so that is uh kind of the two main theories of the time as to what was going on with this disease oh so it was either we were we had a spiritual connection and I was sucking the life out of you, or some believed I literally was sucking the life out of you. Okay, and so then th- was it also then believed that anyone in the family that survived these so-called vampiric attacks, that they were like closer to God or more righteous because their beliefs kept them alive or something? Not really. I mean, what was interesting with this? Like, how um, did they explain the people that survived? <laughs> So honestly, if someone in your family got it, you most likely had it as well, and you died from it. Yeah. Um, and I'll talk a little bit later about a very famous story about a family that was impacted by this. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was most likely if you were in close quarters, like it was very spreadable. It's all those poop hands. All those poop hands. So there were a group of there were a lot of like vampire hunters. Um, and so what they would do is they would go pry open graves. Um, And so they would open up the grave and there would be obviously like natural signs of decay. So the bodies would be bloated. There would be blood coming out of different orifices. I hate Mm -hmm. that word. Um, And so it almost when they would open it, they'd be like, aha, evidence of midnight feasting. They're covered in blood. (laughs) Obviously, like like they're vampires. So like, haha, we're right. So so there you go. But they didn't know. No, nobody knew, right? Nobody knew. I always think about that, what people are going to say about our time period and be like, oh, but they didn't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it kind of seems like we know, but we don't know everything. What's at the bottom of the ocean? What's, you know what I mean? The the bottom of the ocean. We got to do an episode on that. I don't know how, but. I'm cool with the bottom of the ocean. You know how I feel about space. Oh, yeah. Freaks me out. Yeah, Deanna doesn't like space. I don't like the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. That's where we draw the line. We're, we're a, a yin and a yang on yeah. these. <laughs> All right. But anyway, tuberculosis anyway. And, so, and, and bloody dead bodies. And so obviously no one knows what's going on. No one can explain it. They think there's, you know, vampires or something else going on here. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, hmm, what could, like, how can we figure out the cure? Like, obviously the cure is with the dead bodies. Mm-hmm. And so... In all these different states across the New England area, um, they're like, okay, we got to prevent this from happening. We can't have these vampires attacking and we can't let this vampiric disease spread. So what started happening was uh, citizens in their panic started digging up bodies and they started performing rituals um, that included burning organs, uh, staking, beheading, and who knows what else. I guess like the practices of like how they handled these bodies mm-hmm. varied with geography mm-hmm. and really i mean the goal is they they really truly believe that they were like saving the community against further harm so I, that's what they believed that's what they believed yeah and so what's interesting kind of the history i was like well why on earth would they even come to this 
point. The theory is that um, this sort of like exhumation of bodies was likely brought to New England by traveling healers from Eastern Europe and Germany. Uh, Vampire superstition has been around for quite some time. I'm already smiling. (laughs) I feel like I know where this is going. (laughs) Um, You know, in the Middle Ages, there's plagues decimating entire towns. Um, Often diseases would leave like bleeding mouth, lesions and things like that. And so to those who are uneducated in the medical field, like a majority of people of that time, like Mm -hmm. obviously it's vampires. And it wasn't uncommon for anyone with like a weird physical ailment or emotional illness to be labeled a vampire. So mm-hmm. a lot of that did originate kind of um, across the old pond, but it really was prevalent in New England. So there you go. So in New England, there are about at least documented over 80 like vampire rituals that we know of, and we're constantly uncovering new cases. Yeah. Um, it's estimated that the practice of exhuming bodies and kind of vampire hunting um, began no later than 1784 and went through at least 1892. So like over a hundred years, there was, we believe to be a belief of vampires. And 1892 really wasn't that long ago. Yep. And going back to the belief, I mean, there's evidence that really like, it seems like this practice of exhuming bodies and doing these rituals was pretty known and accepted and often endorsed by like the community, town authorities, clergymen, like, yeah, it was just like a thing. It was normal. That's so interesting. Yeah. And what's also interesting is um, there was definitely, like I mentioned earlier, depending on where you were at, there's different ways that you like treated the body after you exhumed it. Um, so primarily in parts of Massachusetts and Maine, I guess like they would like look at the body, they would like flip it over and leave the body alone. They're like, yeah, we're fine. Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Vermont. Uh, this is a lot of where there was a lot of burning of organs. So burning hearts, burning livers um, from the bodies of su- suspected vampires. Hmm. So there you go. In the 1990s, um, archaeologists discovered 29 skeletons in a gravel pit um, in Griswold, Connecticut. And I guess this had previously served as like a colonial area graveyard. Um, the bodies themselves did show signs of tuberculosis and the the bones had actually be, been rearranged into a skull and crossbone pattern. So um, this case became known as the Jewett City Vampires. And so this was kind of one of the, the stranger rituals involved with consumption that they kind of made like the skull and crossbones. So there you go. And what would happen is uh, New Englanders would open up these bodies and depending on like the point in time, whenever they open the graves, like oftentimes there was nothing but skeletal remains, right? So there's no sign of skin tissue, anything like that. And so they still had to decide like, hmm, is this corpse undead? Is it not? And can this pile of bones get up and spread vampirism to everybody? So it, so yeah, they thought that and here's what they did. So oh, they would no. rearrange, they would rearrange the bones. Um, Rearticulate. With the skull and crossbones. I watch bones. <laughs> but sometimes they would like decapitate and like throw away the skull and they would also like, bury it separately or something. Mm-hmm. They would also uproot the legs and like take the leg bones to prevent the vampire from leaving the grave. So, but yeah, 
I got I, your bones. <laughs> I got your bones, fool. <laughs> you can't run away. <laughs> I was just trying to like ref- or fresh refresh in my memory um, what I know of lore and myths like this. But vampires, don't they turn into bats? Depends on who you talk to. So shouldn't they have taken their arms? Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why everyone kept dying. You guys took their legs instead. I feel like I, as I was going through like the New England research, I feel like the bat thing never came up. They okay. were, it was like different type of vampire. Yeah, you were either sucking the blood or you were remotely sucking the life out of your family. Which also, I don't know why you would go after your family, but like anyway. Yeah, that seems rude. I yeah. mean. Yeah, no, that seems rude. So it seems like any any vampires from the states don't fly because the Cullens don't fly either. So exactly, they just yeah. sparkle. Yeah. Also, too, like as I mentioned, they would kind of open up these graves and they would be like, "Hmm, like let's review the body." And in the event that there was like still skin tissue, soft tissue, a lot of like the misconceptions and errors actually came from a misunderstanding of how bodies decompose Mm -hmm. uh which truth be told i didn't know so let's talk about what happens when a body decomposes all right so when you become a corpse uh i guess like your skin actually shrinks Mm -hmm. and so with that it looks like your teeth and fingernails look like they've grown longer that'll be prevalent later Mm -hmm. um also as internal internal organs start to break down a dark which I kind of knew about this, like a purge fluid can leak out of your nose and your mouth. Mm -hmm. And so people who didn't know how bodies decompose would be like, oh, this is probably blood. And obviously the corpse drank it from the living. (laughs) So like there's blood all over their mouth. Just like when you see a kid in the cookie jar covered in cookie crumbs. Cookie crumbs. You ate the cookie. So you drank the blood. It's all over your face. Literally caught red faced. All right. Now that we've covered body decomposition decom- I was like that's the word sure um, we're gonna talk about the story of Mercy Brown and there like I mentioned earlier there were tons of instances of body exhumation but for whatever reason this story with Mercy is the one you always see um, it's the most famous and it was actually covered by international newspapers so oh. the story of Mercy Brown is very synonymous with like this time and it's the most famous one so i thought it was just a really good tale to tell but there are so many other sad stories of other people but hers is just the most covered yeah all right so our story starts with the brown family Mm -hmm. um edwin brown was one of the sons so mercy was his sister um he was pretty sick so for probably about two years he started growing increasingly thin sick Week, um, because he had tur- tuberculosis. Tur- <laughs> <laughs> tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Oh, trying to be all serious and tell a sad tale, and I can't say tuberculosis. That's okay. Words are hard. I know they are hard. Um, and so this poor boy was ravaged with tuberculosis, mm-hmm. and as I mentioned before, it, it can last a very long time. It can go in and out. Um, so in March of 1892, Edwin was struggling to breathe. He was constantly coughing up blood and so he actually um kind of went to colorado springs and to kind of like seek a cure so hoping like the fresh air the mineral waters could cure him i mean that's a far way to go for a cure it is in the 1800s this is you're on the oregon trail to do this hopefully he didn't uh 
leave in May and he left in April. (laughs) So he was there um, for about 18 months. And unfortunately, like there was no like healing that happened and he was really just homesick. So he wanted to head back to his home of Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. So Edwin returns back uh, to Exeter, Rhode Island, and his father was a farmer. So during this time, George Brown, that's the name of his father, kind of just sadly like watched like his family dying so you know um his gonna be so terrible to just like watch everyone just get hit with it yep so his wife mary brown uh died of consumption in 1883 this was followed by his 20 year old daughter mary olive six months later and so then you've got edwin who's just getting weaker and weaker in 1892 um and also at this point tuberculosis took his 19 year old daughter mercy lena brown um, and so she passed away, I guess, in January of 1892. Mm-hmm. And so, as I mentioned earlier, um, this disease can pass very easily between people in close quarters. And so oftentimes it would wipe out a lot of families. And this is the case in the Browns. And as I mentioned before, doctors are unable to explain the wave of sickness, what's happening. And so everyone, all the townspeople are like, we can find the cure six feet under and like, that's it. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they really relied on some of those superstition and kind of like supernatural things to try to like save Edwin's life. And so there was a group of Exeter residents and they were like, yep, Edwin's mother or one of the sisters like are undead. So they're caught between heaven and hell and they're sucking the life out of him. So we got to exhume those bodies. George Brown um, was a little skeptical at first and but he did kind of like eventually give in to it. And it was like, yeah, there's something more here. Um, let's try it. Let's try it. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I mean, Edwin is his only son. Mm-hmm. It's his last family member. And he's just desperate. So he was like, I mean, at this point, what have we got to lose to try mm-hmm. to save Edwin? So he was like, OK, all right, townspeople, like I give you permission to dig up the body of my wife and my daughter's. And at first he was, like I mentioned, he just was like, no, no way. And then finally he just gave in. Mm -hmm. Um, So on March 17th, 1892, some of his relatives and neighbors went to the Brown family plot um, in the Chestnut Hill Cemetery. And they go and they exhume the bodies of Mary Brown and Mary Olive Brown. They opened the caskets and found only their bones inside. Mm -hmm. So they're like, all right, well, we have one more casket to open. So let's go open Mercy's casket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mercy had been the most recent family member to pass away. And it was about, it had been about eight weeks at this point. Um, so obviously a much, I guess like fresher grave body. Yeah. Body. Um, there's, there's kind of differing a- accounts as to whether um, her body had been buried or if there was like a, she was in like a crypt above ground. Cause it was March mm-hmm. in new England and it was cold. So like, they they thought maybe she might have been like above ground because like the undertakers couldn't dig the grave because the ground was solid because it was cold oh because you said she died in January right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so in this case so you know the other two had been opened when they lifted the lid off of Mercy's coffin her body was found I guess on her side um, her face was more flush and there was blood in her heart and in her veins they also felt that. She was oddly well-preserved, despite being in this crypt. Uh, It looked as if her hair and nails had grown, 
and I guess they pierced her skin and there were still drops of blood within it. So for those who were there, we're like, yep, that's it. Mercy's the vampire. Mm-hmm. So there is this Dr. Harold Metcalf. He was like, I don't agree with a lot of this. And like, you guys, like decomposition decom- of bodies at this point for Mercy is actually pretty normal. Um, she's only been dead for like a two months. weeks, yeah. Um, and also, by the way, it's like super cold. And like that could actually essentially keep her body preserved. But Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that, but totally. Yeah. I mean, it was like a giant refrigerator. Ew. I know. Unfortunately, uh, the people of Exeter were like, be quiet, Dr. Metcalf. Like, we... They just kind of like ignored him. Be quiet, doctor. You have no idea what you're talking about. Right. But we do. And obviously there's blood here. So Mercy is undead. So they gathered firewood. Uh, They created a little bonfire on a pile of nearby rocks. Uh, Trigger warning. This is pretty disgusting. Um, They cut out Mercy's heart and lungs and then they cremated them on the fire. Then they went back to Edwin's house with the ashes of his dead sister's heart, mix them with water. No. And then Edwin drank it. No. Guess what? Uh, it didn't cure the tuberculosis. It just made him more sick. He died two months later on May 2nd. Wow. So, yeah. So that was uh, their attempt to cure. I guess somehow drinking the ashes would prevent it. I don't know. The cure is in the body. Um, and then after they dug her up, uh, they buried her now heartless body um, into the ground at Chestnut Hill Cemetery um, under a weathered tombstone, and she now rests in peace there. So you can actually, I believe to this date, it's still there. You can go see it. There's pictures online. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point in time, Rhode Island was known as the vampire capital of America. And so. Which is so interesting to me, given that it's the smallest state. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally just like a speck on a map. Yep. It's also my favorite state. It's all your favorite. <laughs> but. You know, like I mentioned, there were tons of exhumations, but the Brown case just blew up. There was a lot of attention on it, um, and people really found out about this specific one. Interesting. Which then kind of feeds into, interestingly enough, about kind of Dracula. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Bram Stoker publishing his novel Dracula in 1897. So this is like five years after the whole Brown thing went down. Yeah. Um. So still fresh on everyone's memories. Mm-hmm. So obviously in the book, for those that don't know, uh, the vampire character Dracula uh, was like possessing a human body, leaving the grave at night to suck the blood from the living. And as we mentioned in last week's episode, uh, Vlad, some say like thought inspired uh, Stoker's work mm-hmm. and I remember last week we were like I wonder why they made the connection I found it out this week okay so the theory and the legend was that Vlad Dracul and which we knew this he enjoyed dining amongst dying victims mm-hmm. and dead bodies but apparently they say that he dipped his bread in their blood oh so there you go Ew. that's the connection there yuck so yep uh, so that is why a lot of people theorized that Dracula, Count Dracula, was inspired by Vlad. Interesting. Okay. Uh, According to, apparently there's some Dracula experts out there. Uh, Everyone's like, no, Stoker had nothing to do with Vlad. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that they have some of the similarities. Yeah. 
But what was really interesting by some accounts, uh, it is said that when Irish-born writer Bram Stoker died in 1897, they said when they went into like his home, they actually found newspaper clippings of the Mercy Brown saga in his files. Interesting. So some of that had to have like um, influenced that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. The timing is a little, a little suspect. So yeah, it's pretty. Most likely, this Mercy Brown case really influenced him in the book and right on brand. Yeah. He also just kind of knew like, hey, everyone's going crazy for vampires, so like I'm gonna. I'm, this now is my time to strike. Yeah. So he probably was inspired by a lot of this this fear yeah. that was going on in the area. Interesting. Yep. So there you go. Uh, so obviously at some point, and not long after actually the Mercy Brown incident, um, vampire belief started winding down at the end. So right around the same time, around the end of the 19th century, mm-hmm. 1800s for those who are interested. Uh, there was a German physician and microbiologist named Robert Koch, Koch, Koch. Um, and he actually identified the bacteria responsible for tuberculosis. And this is really when science like starts making a comeback. Mm-hmm. They start to replace the fork, the folklore and like they explain, Hey, actually here's how diseases work. Um, and this is what's happening here. Yeah. So there actually was kind of a, strange resurgence in the late 1960s of vampires and the existence of them. Okay. Uh, There was a man named Sean Manchester. He was the president of the British Occult Society, and he started telling everyone that a vampire was causing people to see strange things in London's Highgate Cemetery. Oh. And I guess at this time as well, there were newspaper reports of, like, a tall figure with burning eyes and, like weird stuff happening like he was like floating around the cemetery um and so journalists were like oh this manchester guy like is pretty confident like this is a vampire Mm -hmm. um and so then you know newspapers start embellishing everything they started calling this figure a king vampire um they were writing that this specific vampire had practiced black magic in romania and then he traveled to london in his coffin so there you go so in 1970, Sean Manchester tells a TV news team that he's going to go, like, take care of the vampire on Friday the 13th. He's of gonna, course. He's going to just go handle it. So that night, hundreds of young people turned up at the Highgate Cemetery to see him perform this exorcism on this vampire. Spoiler alert, he ended up not doing it. Uh, okay. But, like, it really wasn't – this wasn't an instance of vampires, like, being blamed for disease. It was just kind of this, like – media sensation and yeah you know people being like you know i'm not scared to go to the cemetery (laughs) on friday the 13th and like see a vampire yeah so um yeah it's just like a a little fun incident that was relatively recent but once you get one person believing it you know like some people are like let me just go check this out yeah and then you kind of have the like the concept of just like creepy things and people like going to sort it out like even when you think about those like remember the clown sightings like oh, that went the viral clown sightings no thank you people are just drawn to like stuff like that yeah which is I, weird i remember my second grade class one girl came running back from the bathroom crying and she said while she was in there uh, she saw a leprechaun 
Oh. And it was like leading up to St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and she was like crying. She's like, I saw a leprechaun in there. And so then all of the girls in my class were scared to go to the bathroom. And we would all come back and be like, oh, my God, I was washing my hands. And I looked at my face in the mirror. And my face started turning green. And we're like, no way. Was that around the time that leprechaun movie came out? Possibly. I feel like that was probably the same era for sure but i definitely also was scared to go to the bathroom and thought i saw like clovers just everywhere <laughs> yeah that's terrifying <laughs> so uh i believe it once one person gets everyone else going <laughs> yeah um well just to kind of i guess i don't know if this will freak you out or not but apparently there are people today in in present day that call themselves vampires oh um, they are. That's good. That's cool for them. They're normal, normal people who drink small amounts of blood. Uh, I guess they like think it's going to make them stay healthy or be healthy. So there are communities on the internet of people who of are self-identified are. as vampires, <laughs> mm-hmm. like all around the world. Um, so what's interesting is is this group is like pretty underground. Uh, they kind of keep it to themselves. They conduct their feeding rituals. So. Oftentimes in modern day, they drink the blood of like willing donors. Mm -hmm. So like people that are like, yeah, cool. You can drink my blood. Um, So that's a thing. Um, There's also a few people. They ask for consent before just like draining someone of blood. Okay, that's nice. They ask for consent. They do it in private. Some people take it on a sexual level, this and that. But there also are some modern day vampires that don't ingest human blood, but they claim to feed off the energy of others. And so... They say, like, it's called an empath. If I don't like feed off the energy, I become agitated or depressed. And it's like, maybe you just like being around people. Yeah. But anyway, um, with that being said, I I started to go down a rabbit hole um, of just like modern day vampires. Mm-hmm. And similar to the MK Ultra episode, there were some really sketchy websites. And I was like, you know yeah. what? <laughs> I was like, I've been researching this enough. I could go on a whole nother tangent. So I definitely stopped myself from going down the the weird website rabbit hole. But it, it would be very simple to do. So, Oh, yeah. The internet is a strange place if you end up in the wrong location. Yeah. So anyway, uh, at the end of the day, vampire fear back in the day was a misunderstanding of disease and most likely tuberculosis or consumption, depending on which word you prefer. Um, and nowadays, uh, there's just vampire clubs. So there's vampire clubs. Oh my god! There you go. So that reminds me of in recent times, I saw like in some pop culture newsfeed or whatever that what's his name, um, Machine Gun Kelly, mm-hmm. and. What's her name? Megan Fox. That they they had like come out and said like yeah for like ritualistic purposes they drink very small amounts of each other's blood. Oh yeah. And the National Vampiric Association or whatever they were called came out and was like hey you guys shouldn't do that actually. <laughs> and I was like wait a minute there's a National Vampiric Society. Or oh there is. Whatever it's called. So it's so funny that we're talking about it now because it's like oh wow okay this is still a thing. Yeah and I remember I mean this is a long time ago like Angelina Jolie with Billy Bob Thornton the and blood. like the vial of blood. Yeah. Like I don't know what's up with blood. It, it's not my cup of tea but. Or like when people or like yeah yeah sisterhood where they like break the palm of their hands and like touch it together I'm like 
that's not safe. No. 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 It also reminds me of the movie The Hangover where he's like, blood brothers. And he like slices his hand and everyone's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that was such a thing back then. It I think, was. I think it's it turned into a modern day version is, or it's modern day version is spitting in one's hand and then, yeah, which is equally as gross. But yeah. So yeah. yeah, there you go. That's a little bit about the New England vampire panic for Fun. you. Uh, now I feel like we're definitely going to have to do an episode on the satanic panic. I Done. think that was like the 80s, 90s in the US. I don't know that we'll, one. We'll do some research and we'll let you know. I feel like that's a very, I might add that to my That list. one's a really good one, but I also feel like that also par- parlays into like the West Memphis 3, which is more of a true crime case, which like, that's a whole different whirlwind. Yeah. But. I digress. <laughs> Thank you so much for putting together today's episode. I learned Welcome. a lot about vampires and a lot about uh, desecrating bodies yeah. and uh, decomposing bodies as and well. And it's all thank you to you for inspiring me with last week's episode on Vlad, where we talked a little bit about vampires. Just, and I was like, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. And I did. And you did. And an episode was born. And among you delivered. Yep. Awesome. Okay, well, we hope that you guys enjoyed the episode, too. This was pretty great. All of Deanna's source notes um, are going to be available on our website under the Episodes tab. That's where we always save all of our source notes on that page. Historiablepodcast.com. I don't know why. I was just like, why can't? What are words? Words okay. are what? I just like. You're out of practice. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, I haven't done this in a second. Um, and if you guys are so inclined, we would really appreciate it if whatever you're listening to on right now, give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a review. All that kind of stuff really, really helps us tremendously and we'll love you forever. Um, thank you to our Patreons. We obviously always love you guys. We hope that you guys like this month's episode episode which also was Deanna led if you guys are wanting to check out what we have to offer on patreon patreon.com slash historical podcast we are on there as well we always appreciate any support and we're also on the socials instagram facebook and twitter even though we both have come out and said we don't know how to twitter i don't know how to tweet we don't know how to twitter yeah doing my best doing the best yeah so yeah uh we guys or we appreciate you and we love you and we can't wait to see you next week we'll see you next week maybe with some satanic panic we'll see maybe not we'll see what happens we'll see what's it yeah we're doing a lot of lore a lot of conspiracy maybe we just need to like talk about it more i know it's like uh i'm really liking this but like we'll see we'll this see. is There's, really fun yeah. yeah we like to search it up so we'll see what we uh what tickles our fancies next week yes so uh-uh. check us out next week and fancy i don't know never mind yeah, was, we both yeah. can't use words right now yeah it's time it's time to go it's time to go <laughs> Uh, it's time to go because it's Cinco de Mayo. Oh. Oh. We are recording this on May 5th. And we are going to go get some tacos after this. And so. play some trivia. Hopefully there will be some history trivia. Yeah. Because, like, I'm ready. Oh, we're so excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully we can use some of the knowledge we've learned over the past, you guys, almost full year of doing this podcast. Yes. Big things to come for our one-year birthday. Get ready. Get ready. I don't know why I said it's so mean. Okay, we're done talking now. <laughs> we love you. We we'll love you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Dude, if there is not history trivia at Trivia Night tonight, I'm going to be real sad. Because I know stuff. If we can't use one fun fact or one rabbit hole at least, 
We've gone down a lot of rabbit holes, you and I. Yeah, I feel like we're ready. We're I'm so excited. Ready. Let's go do it. Let's go. Okay, boy. Arriba.